glad that you're here. You know, <clears throat> are you like me that in your life you like it when things work like they're supposed to? You ever have some stuff in your life that doesn't work like it's supposed to? You know, we could have this crazy sound thing going on and I could just keep on talking like I don't hear it. But how many of you know that everybody in the house knows something's not right? But do you know sometimes in our life, we just get used to the crazy in our life and we try to act like the crazy's not there. But everybody around us is going, there's something just not right. Well, I want you to know that God has incredible plans for you. Sometimes our lives are affected by some choices that other people make. Sometimes our lives are affected by the choices that we make. But at the end of the day, the Bible says that God is good and he has good plans for you and I. So no matter what we are walking through, God is fully capable and fully willing Come on, somebody. God is not just capable, but he's willing to turn everything out for your best benefit and for his glory. Come on, that's how good of a God he is. You know, um, I love uh, our senior pastors, uh, Pastor Pam and Pastor Richie Brown, and and the series that God puts on their hearts to do. But it's kind of freaky. Because it's like they show up to my mailbox and read my mail. (laughs) And then determine what series we're going to do, because every you know every time every Sunday, uh, we'll, I'll send a, just an encouragement to Pastor Richie and say, "Man, that, that message was incredible. It's right where I right what I needed at that moment." And I'm always sitting there thinking, "Okay, how's he going to do that one again?" And the next week I show up, it's like he's gone to my mailbox again, read my mail, and tailored it just for me. Anybody else in here that feel that way? That's right. Don't you love that God just delivers us a fresh bite of the bread of life every week? Well, today we're talking about the table. And I don't know about you, but I like the table. I like sitting at the table. I like hanging out at the table with my friends and family. I like the conversation. There's teachable moments. There's always great food and all of that. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But before we get to the table, I just want to talk to you about when things just don't go right. Now, we've got this grill that's about this long and about that wide, and we cook pancakes on it, we cook uh, eggs on it, we cook uh, bacon, all of that kind of stuff. That'll preach right there. That's some good food right there, man. Um, But it has this little tray that goes underneath, so if you got grease that needs to leave that surface, it goes down through, and this tray catches it. Well, the other day I was in the kitchen. I was taking some stuff out, and I dropped the piece that, the, that catches the grease. And when that piece, which is plastic, hit, hit the tile on the floor, it, it just it busted in two. And so Becky's like, I can't believe you just busted that. And I'm like, baby, I can fix that. Because that's what we say, right? <laughs> like I had no intention whatsoever of fixing that thing. Two days later... Two days later, I got super glue at my house that Becky bought so I could fix the thing that I just busted. <laughs> Becky went out of town this week for a couple days, and on Friday morning, this is the appointed morning, I got up, I'm feeling good, I'm ready to fix the thing that I busted so I get the super glue out. And on the back of the super glue, un, un, uncharacteristic of me, I read the instructions. And there's four. Open it up, glue it, Press it for 30 seconds, and you're done. Yeah. Come on. 
I can handle that. So I open the glue. I put the glue on the plastic, and the thing says plastic on plastic. Good. Metal on metal, good. Plastic on wood, good. Everything you want to glue, you can do with this thing. I've got plastic and plastic. I'm thinking this thing's going to work like a charm. So I put the glue on there. I put it on this side, and I put the two pieces together. And I counted for the obligatory 30 seconds because I don't want to short it. I want this thing to work like it's supposed to so that when Becky can come home, I can go, boom, fix that. Yeah, baby. I counted to 30, and that thing came apart just as quickly as it went together. So I don't know about you, but I'm one of those guys that think, well, if a little's good, a lot's a whole lot better. So I got some more super glue on this side, got some more super glue on this side, and I put the pieces back together, and I thought maybe I didn't use enough force on that. So I just put the force together on it. When I did that, the thing flipped out of my hand. So one piece goes this way, it slides down my arm and on the floor, and another piece lands on the counter over here. So I picked the piece up on the ground that has glue all over the ground, quickly switch it to this hand and I went over to the counter to pick up the other piece and instantly, mind you, the glue that would not put the two pieces of plastic together instantly glued my hand to the countertop. That's trouble. Peeled my finger off. I get that thing in there. I count to 60 this time and then I threw it away because it did not those guys are liars. It will not put glue together. It won't put plastic together. But by golly, if you want to put your finger on a countertop, super glue's a thing for you. It didn't work out like I wanted it to. You ever had stuff just not work out? You believe right, you pray, pray right, you serve right, you do all the right stuff. And it just doesn't seem to work out. Oftentimes what we like to do is we like to focus on the immediacy of what's happening rather than on the promise of God. Because the promise of God will sustain you through the super glued thumb to the counter so you can get to the promise of freedom. But so many times we want to start cursing the super glue because it's now affecting my hand. And my hand ain't supposed to be on this counter. My hand is supposed to be over here somewhere, but my hand is now stuck to the counter. So I start casting the devil out of the counter and out of the glue and all this other stuff when really we ought to be focusing on the promises of God. You're going, what does that have to do with the table? Well, the table is a process that will get us to the promises of God if we will go through the process. Last week, Pastor Richie was talking to us about the table, and, and there's, as you notice, there's four different chairs here. The, the first chair that he talked about was the host chair, and that's the one that brings the bread or serves it to the others, the host of the house. How many of you know I don't invite somebody over to my house, and I'm going to host them, and when they show up, go, okay, what'd you bring? <laughs> All right? Like, I don't sit down at the table and go, okay, what food are we having tonight? Because when somebody goes to my house and I'm hosting it, they expect me to serve the food. So the goal of the table is to get everybody in the host chair. 
Now, what we tend to think is that there are only some people that serve bread. It's those that are on the stage. They're the only ones that serve bread. Can I, can I remind you this morning, church, you have opportunities every day to serve the bread of life to people that you come across with. In fact, I would dare say this, you will impact more people in Amarillo outside these walls than we ever will together inside these walls. Because when we all take the bread of life and serve the bread of life to those that we are around, lives will be changed. So our goal is to get people to the host chair, but there's three other chairs there. One of them is the chair of knowing God because you cannot serve what you do not possess. So the first chair at the table is about knowing God, about putting your faith in Jesus. It's about connecting people with the Lord. It's why we do things the way that we do them. It's why we, if you've been in church all of your life, you know, I've been in church all of my life. Pastor Richie addressed it last week. I don't necessarily need lights. I don't necessarily need a sound system. I don't necessarily need smoke machines. I don't necessarily need any of that. I like it. But this church is not just designed for me who's been in church all of my life. This church is designed for people that have never been in church before. This church, every service, everything that we do, has, has we do that with those people in mind that have yet to come to the table. You guys seen those crazy videos on YouTube? And I'm so, aren't you glad that YouTube didn't exist when, when you were growing up? <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm so glad. But I remember seeing not long ago this one video. It was a church service. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know what was happening, what was going on, but some guy got up, starts doing laps inside church and runs up on the stage and dives into the baptistry. <laughs> like... I don't know what that's about, but I can think about if some guy that I've invited to church doesn't know anything about God and he sees a guy diving in the baptistry, he's probably going, that's a little loony right there. So everything that we do in this house, we think about if people are far away from God, how are they going to receive that? How can we get them in the first chair? How can we get them to the place? What can we do to set the table so that they'll receive what's been provided for them through Jesus? That's chair one. Chair two is about finding freedom. This is the host table. This is chair one. It's designed for those that are not yet at the table. Chair two is designed for those uh, to help people find freedom. You know, just because, you know, Israel spent 400 years in slavery. 400 years, they were serving somebody else. 400 years, they were treated horribly. 400 years, they had to think like a slave. They could not think like a free person. They didn't go to bed when they wanted to. They didn't get up when they wanted to. They didn't eat what they wanted. They didn't go to the bathroom when they wanted to. They did all of that according to somebody else dictating that to them. 400 years. So it had become a lifestyle. It had become a, a thing of how they thought. So they started praying for a deliverer. God sent them a deliverer. And over a million people walked out of Egypt, formerly slaves, now as free people. But, you know, just because they left Egypt, that didn't mean that Egypt left them. It took a process for them to go through to begin to think not like a servant, but like a son. That's what chair two is designed to do. Because, you know, just because or when you put your faith in Jesus, that doesn't mean your issues leave right? 
We still have issues that we walk through, so we need to surround ourselves with people that can speak life into us, that can do life with us, that continue to encourage us so that we can get to the land of freedom, the land of abundance that God wants us to walk in. Well, that's chair number two. Uh, Chair number three is about discovering purpose. And next week we're going to address that one. But it's, you know, a lot of churches in America function a little different than we do. A lot of churches in America build an organizational chart and say you have five areas of need in the kids' ministry. They don't find out the people that are called the kids' ministry. They just grab five people, one, two, three, four, five. You guys are in kids' ministry. And that works for a while. But if you're not in a place that you're wired for, if you're not in a place that you're spiritually gifted for, you can be in there for a little while, but before long, you're going to get frustrated. And so I love it that Pastor Rich and Pastor Pam have put together a process that we can help people understand their natural, their own personalities, understand the gifts that God has put inside of them, and to give them opportunities to use those things that are already in them in areas that make sense. Because what we found is that when you're serving in an area that you're naturally called to, that you're naturally equipped for, not only are other lives being impacted, but you walk out fulfilled every week. So there's a process. And then once you know God, once you begin to walk through issues together, finding freedom, beginning to kick some of the junk the devil has tried to attach you out of your life. Once you find out who you are, you discovered your purpose, you find out the way that God has naturally wired you and the gifts and talents that are already inside of you, then you can sit down in the host chair and continue in greater ways to serve the bread of life to people. That's what the table is all about. The table is all about us finding what chair that we're going to. Okay, so today I want to talk to you about two chairs. I want to talk to you about chair number one, about knowing God, and chair number two, about finding freedom. John 6.35 says this, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never be hungry, and the one who believes in me as Savior will never be thirsty, for that one will be sustained spiritually. Somebody say sustained. Sustained. All right, here's the deal. Um, When when you study the Word of God, it is always a great idea to go back and discover what that particular passage meant to those that it was written to. So this was written in Greek. This was written uh, by John to the church. And so we have to understand in Greek culture what this particular uh, verse meant. And when we do that, we can apply it to our lives today. Just a little spiritual theology there. John 6.35 has a couple of words in there. It says, the one who comes to me. That phrase comes to me, what it sounds like is this. If I'm talking to Neil and I said, Neil, come to me, and he gets up and he walks this way, that's my American version of what comes to me means, right? So somebody is moving from one place to the other. That's not what that phrase means to that audience. That phrase to that audience, when, when the writer of the book of John said, I am the bread of life, the one who comes to me, what he is literally speaking to is that when you come to Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus, you will obtain what the soul craves. Now, just because Neil gets out of his seat and walks four feet, that doesn't mean that he's received what his soul has craved. That's why this meaning goes a little bit deeper than what we would look at on the outside. But the promise to us is this, that when we press into Jesus, the thing that our soul craves will be obtained. Do you know that that is not determined by money? You can make the most money in the city of Amarillo and be the most miserable person. 
you can make the least amount of money and be the most miserable person. Because what your soul craves is not money. Your soul craves something deeper than that. Then we all need money. And Lord knows, the more money in my bank account, the more I like it. But my happiness is not tied or determined by my bank account. My fulfillment is to tide by, is that craving of my soul, have I obtained that in Jesus, right? Okay, now there's another phrase there that talks about um, the one who comes to me. In other words, the ones that come to him will obtain what the soul craves, and it talks about being hungry and thirsty. That phrase literally to that audience means that they would have a conscious and an abiding satisfaction. A conscious and abiding satisfaction. What does that mean? That means you will live your life satisfied and fulfilled. Have you ever met somebody that seemed to have everything except fulfillment in their life? Why is that? Because they're chasing a lot of stuff and they're not finding their fulfillment in Jesus. Well, how does that relate to the table? Well, I want to talk to you briefly today about these first two chairs. Chair one exists to help people know God. And if we were to do this properly, we would turn this chair around. Why is that? Because they're not at the table yet. If they were already at the table, the chair would be this way. But this chair is designed for those that have not yet sat down at the table. So what does that mean? That means for somebody to get in this chair, it means that somebody's got to invite them to the chair. Because if they're not invited to the chair, there's a good chance they're not going to come to the chair. And so many times what we begin to think is this. People don't really want to come to the table. People don't really want to have a relationship with Jesus. People really don't want to go to church. But the statistics say this. Most people, that if they're invited by somebody close to them, will come to church. Why is that? Because their soul is craving something that nothing else in their life is going to give them. John 4.35 says this. Do, uh, do you not say there are four months, then comes harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Now, granted, we live in the buckle of the Bible belt. So it's easy for us to begin to believe that everybody in Amarillo goes to church. Everybody in Canyon goes to church. Well, you can dispel that theory by driving down Bell. Because apparently those people don't go to church. Because they communicate with you. And they honk and they cut you off and they just need Jesus. And sometimes I'm a little bit tempted to take my relationship with the Lord and put it over there so I can drive with the rest of the crazies and then I'll invite him back in my car when I get to my destination. Now some of you are looking at me like you've never done that before driving down Bell. Here's the deal. Let me just give you a quick story. Becky and I, uh, several years ago, were a part of an outreach at a college at Oklahoma City University. And it was back to school day for the college students. And so what they did is there was a lot of businesses, uh, we were a church, so we were there as well, that had tables set up to welcome the students back. So there might be it might be insurance, it might be jobs. We were a church, so we were inviting people to church. I mean, there's all kinds of things that students might need that they could discover at the table. But this is what we found. It's Becky and I, it's our first time to be a part of this. We were invited to be a part of it, so we went there. So we set up the table just like everybody else. They're on the sidewalks. And so what we notice is that everybody is behind the table. 
with our particular stuff. Now, our particular stuff is we had put together uh, bags of uh, chocolate and goodies, and then we put a card for the church to invite students to church because... We knew that if they were in Oklahoma City, they might need a good church home. We had a good church home. We'd love for them to be a part of. So we wanted to give them something um, and then offer them an opportunity to worship with us if they'd like to do that. So this is what we found. We were behind the table like everybody else, and everybody behind the table, instead of talking to people that needed what they had, were just talking to people behind the tables. And can I tell you, nobody was showing up to our table. Nobody was showing up to this guy's table. Nobody was showing up to that guy. I mean, it was like we had opened up a leper colony in Oklahoma City. We're unclean, unclean. Please don't come talk to us. I mean, that's what it was like. And then I got the crazy idea. I thought, what if we leave the safety of the table and go to where people are? So we just grabbed some stuff. We grabbed our chocolates. We don't don't take all that home because I'd eat it all, and that wouldn't be good. So I was like, okay, so we're just going to start chunking chocolate at people. So we carried our stuff out, and I'm like, hey, right over there, Rob, catch this. I throw it at them. They'd catch it. Like, right here, I'm going to give you some. They'd catch it. I go, oh, way back in the back. Let's get you some chocolate. Sorry about that. Give you a second chance. The Dallas Cowboys play tomorrow night. If you can be in Dallas, you'd be a great defender. <laughs> so what we noticed is that when we left the safety of the table, people started coming to us because they were now interested in what we were serving. In fact, I saw this guy on a 10-speed walking by or riding by, like, hey, 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 and I threw it like a rocket at him, and he caught it as he's riding rides on to his dorm, and then we had people coming back going, hey, is this the table with the chocolate? Because the guy on a 10-speed was telling us there's chocolate. This is what we found. We had communication cards at our church that had a blank on there that said, how did you hear about this particular church? And we had several turned in that said this, the crazy guys chunk chocolate at us. And we decided if they're going to do that, they might be a fun place to go to. So they showed up. Here's the deal, church. So many times it's so easy to st- just stay behind the table, hoping that somebody's going to show up that needs to sit at the table. But I love that we're a part of a church that dares to get out from behind the table and live life with people that need Jesus. That verse, John 4 says this, do you not say there are four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. It's crazy when you begin to understand what this verse literally meant. This verse literally meant that there is a harvest where there is not naturally a harvest. You know, it's easy to look at some people and go, oh yeah, they need Jesus. And then you look at other people and you go, well... Looks like they got stuff together. Looks like the marriage is going good. Looks like the finances is going good. Looks like they got it all together. But what we don't realize oftentimes is they're like a duck on a pond. They're on top of the water. They just look all majestic. But underneath, they're just swimming like crazy to stay afloat, right? 
So it's not our job to determine who needs Jesus, who needs to come to the table. It's not our job to determine who doesn't need to come to the table. It's our job just to invite people. Because we never know. We never know how that life from a simple invitation will sit down at the table and receive what Jesus has already provided. And then we get to see them become a part of the family. You know, one of the greatest things ever is when you invite somebody and you know they, you know, there's some stuff just not right and they start coming to church with you and at some point they pray to give their life to Jesus and you sit back and go, I was a part of the process. Do you know that by you inviting somebody to the table, that's just as important as anybody that ever shares a message from this stage? Because if you don't invite them, they won't receive the message. So let me encourage you today, church. Keep inviting people to the table. I love the fact that we're immersed in a culture that continually invites people. I love that we're a church that's designed for those that are far away from God, those that don't know God. You see, a healthy church has a significant amount of people that need to sit in this chair. That's why everything we do is filtered through the eyes of somebody that's never been to church. Now, when you come to a service, if you've been in church all of your life like me, you're going to find elements that you just connect and your spirit's going to rise. In fact, um, I love our worship team. Not because they're just incredibly talented, and they are incredibly talented, but I love the fact that they point us to Jesus every week. Church, I'm just telling you, there have been days that I have put a smile on my face and dragged in here having one of the roughest weeks of my life. And something happens when that worship team begins to sing and I'm propelled into the presence of Jesus. It begins to do something inside me. So I've been in church all of my life. And I love what we do. But you know what? The coolest thing that I ever hear is from people that have never been to church in their life come in and when they leave the service, they say something like this. I didn't know church could be like that. We've heard lots of testimonies of people that have just come. You know, honestly, they just come to shut somebody up. They were invited so much. They're like, okay, I'm just going to come. I'm going to hate it. I don't want anything to do with it, but I'm just going to come so you will stop inviting me. You know what typically happens? They'll come in and their spirit connects with the spirit of God and they'll leave this place and they'll go, I didn't know church could be like this. They've been served the bread of life. It's chair number one. Everything that we do, we think about people that are yet at the table. You see, there is a work that only God can do, but there's also a work that only we can do because you know people that I don't know and I know people that you don't know. You have circles of influence with people I could never influence and I will influence people that you could never have influence. And when we work together, loving people and sharing the love and hope of Jesus and continually inviting them to the table, all walks of life, every socioeconomic status level is impacted for the Lord Jesus Christ. Chair number two, chair number two, number one is about knowing God. It's about inviting people to the table. It's about presenting things in a way that makes it easy for them to receive. 
And our prayer is that they commit their life to Jesus because we know that if they'll put their faith in Jesus, everything will change. It's chair number one. Chair number two exists to help people find freedom. Help people find freedom. You got issues? I do. And I'm glad I got people around me that don't shun me because of my issues, but love me in spite of my issues, leading me to a better place so that I can experience an abundant life that God has for me. Matthew 28 says this, all authority, how much authority? All All authority in heaven and on earth. What does that cover? Well, pretty much everything. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Who is that written by? Jesus So Jesus has all of the authority, and this is what he says. Now that you understand that, now that you know that Jesus has all of the authority, now that you know that there's nothing on heaven, there's nothing on earth that trumps me, this is what he says. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. So this is what he's saying. He said, I've got all the power. And I'm commanding you to take that power and go. Make disciples and teach them. Make disciples and teach them. Make disciples, help them discover a relationship with Jesus and teach them they don't have to stay where they are. They can get to the land of abundance. And then he says, and by the way, I'll be with you every step of the way. So you are going not only to do what Jesus has asked us to do, we're going in his power. And he's going, I am right beside you. Now, my mom is 83 years old. My mom is in late stages of dementia. About six months ago or so, Becky and I moved her in to our house. She was in Oklahoma City. She's no longer able to live by herself. um, And there were some issues, uh, and so we moved her into our house. The last six months, it's been kind of a crazy schedule because Becky and I both work full-time, <clears throat> and taking care of somebody with dementia is a full-time job. Yeah. And um, so we'd have to stagger our schedule. So I would get my mom up in the morning. She had forgotten how to go to the bathroom. She'd forgotten that she needs to eat, all those kind of things. So I'd get her up, help her go to the restroom, get her cleaned up. I'd get her to the table. I'd fix her breakfast. And then I'd come into church. Becky would stay there for the next hour to hour and a half to make sure that, that, that um, breakfast was finished and that she was in a recliner chair ready for the rest of the day. She would come to church about an hour and a half later. I would go back by and check on mom. And then I'm coming back. Becky's going back. So we're doing this all through the day. So we're working full time. We're taking care of my mom full time. And then at night it was a full time job as well. And it just got to the point that she needed a level of care that we were not able to provide. And so supernaturally, God opened up this place in Canyon. In fact, Pastor Pam is one of her relatives, an incredible blessing of God, amazing. Uh, we transitioned this past week. We transitioned my mom into this facility. So but if you, you, most of you have never met my mom, but if you did, you'd know that she has a bit of a temper. She's had that all of her life. And all of her life, until the last couple of months, she's had a filter for that temper. So she might be mad, and you might not know she's mad. But in the last few months, that tilt temper, or the, the filter has left. So when mama was mad, everybody knew it. So my mom's down at, at this place in Canyon. And so the first day was a little bit rough on her. She, you know, getting adjusted and stuff. Second day, I went back to check on her. 
And this is what happened. So my mom sat down. She's mad. She's hungry because she hadn't eaten since the night before, supper time. They eat supper like at 5 o'clock. So this would be about 7.30 the next day. She hadn't eaten all night long. And you know she's hungry, but she's mad. And there's, there's food on the table that she needs that tastes good and would do her well. This is what she does. She gets the attitude. She pushes it away. I ain't going to eat that food. Well, the professional staff were there. They're like, Miss Elaine, this is going to be good for you. So they slid it back. And my mom, she got those eyes. Anybody know, have a mom that's got those eyes? It's like a laser missile. And you know, if you look into those eyes too long, you're going to explode on the spot. (laughs) That's the eyes my mom pulled out. She said, I am not eating that food. So the professional staff said, okay, Miss Elaine. They said, we're just going to give her some space. But what happened is that she was seated at the table with some friends. And her friends began to say, Miss Elaine, you know that's good food, and that's your food. It's been provided for you. I don't want to eat it. Okay, Miss Elaine, you don't need to eat, but I'm just telling you, I'm eating this food, and it's really good. And do you know what the staff told me? The staff said, we had nothing to do with it. Her friends around her got her to eat her entire plate of food. See, she received because of her friends what had been provided for her and what would be good for her soul. Friends, I can't paint a better picture of what this chair is all about. It's about sitting down with people and helping them receive what's already been provided for them. See, it all boils down to one thing. And I just, as we go through this series about the table, we just want to help you understand. I know a lot of you do, but maybe you're here today and you don't understand the process. Our goal is for everyone in here, everyone online, to get to the host chair so that you can serve the bread of life wherever you are. But there's a process that you go through. First of all, you have to be invited to the table and receive what's already been provided for you in salvation through Jesus. Then you begin to walk through issues with friends that love you and care about you and pray for you. So you can begin to kick some of that stuff the devil's tried to attach to your life, kick it out. But it doesn't stop here. Then you go to a place where you begin to discover how God has naturally wired you and the gifts and talents that he's already put inside you so that you can sit down on the table as the host and begin to bring the bread of life to people that you come across. Proverbs 29 says this, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Church, you know that God wants you to live a life that is most blessed. The question I have for you, is what seat are you at and what seat are you moving to? Maybe you're here today and you've not put your faith in Jesus and you need to come to seat number one and start a relationship with the Lord. Maybe you've committed your life to Jesus, but you realize, man, there's some issues in your life that you need to walk through. And you need to be a part of a small group with people that love you that aren't going to judge you but are going to encourage you and pray for you and help you get to the land that's been promised you. 
Maybe you're here today and you need to move to the to go through the growth track so you can discover how you've been naturally wired by God and the gifts and the talents that he's put inside of you so that when you know that, you can serve with confidence the bread of life everywhere you go. I love that we are, we, that we are a part of a church where people are continually being invited to the table. I love that we're a part of a church where people are working through their issues, giving their lives to Christ and leaving behind a land of slavery and moving to freedom. I love that we're a part of church where people are receiving the bread of life. I love that we're a part of a church that people are serving the bread of life. I love that we're a part of a church that presents a clear and compelling presentation of the gospel, yes, in an entertaining way. So the people receive it with glad and joyful hearts and they receive the promise of God. I'm glad that we're in a church where people are continually moving to the next chair. I love that we're in a church that our goal is to get people into the host chair. I love that we're in a church where the nourishment from the bread of life gives us life to serve others. 